Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. Words that we take for granted, that we all speak, words can be powerful. And of course, at times, words have changed the course of history. But out of all of the words ever recorded, the words of Jesus have a quality that is unparalleled. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the Gospel of John. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on John chapter 7, verse 46, in a message titled, No One Ever Spoke Like This Man. Now, here's Pastor Brian. All right, so here we are in our journey through John's gospel, coming now to the end of the events that happened surrounding the feast of tabernacles, that Jesus there was there, he attended the feast. And as we read over that portion just now, there were two things that you should have noticed. One was that at one point, the religious leaders sent their troops to arrest Jesus. And toward the end of the story, the men come back without Jesus. And they say, well, where is he? We sent you to arrest him. And they said this. They said, no one ever spoke like this man. That was their answer to why they hadn't arrested him. No one has ever spoken like this man. And that's what I want us to focus on today. I want to just consider the words of Jesus because what was true then, and and by the way, they were right. What they said was absolutely the case. No one had ever spoken like Jesus. And what was true then is also true to this very day. And so as we consider this, I want us to think about two things. Number one, that the words of Jesus are a broad and a universal appeal to come to him as the one who is the the whole purpose for life and existence. And he is the whole basis of reality. And number two, that His words that were spoken then resonate today, are as true today, and of course they speak and they apply to us today as God's people. So those are the things that I want to accomplish as we're gathered here together around the word today. So, but think about this, words, you know, we... We, we speak lots of words, and there's been all kinds of interesting uh, studies about, you know, the numbers of words that different personalities and different kinds of people, you know, speak on the average day. And I think, I think in almost every case, women do speak more words than men. 
And I know that's the case in my life because uh, I, I, I'm, in some ways I'm kind of a man of few words and Cheryl is kind of the opposite of being a woman of few words. And they're good words. I appreciate them. I'm not, this is not any kind of a criticism. This is just, just the reality. We spend a lot of time walking these days. And as we walk, we will talk. We'll have conversations with each other. And um, as a matter of fact, we were, we were walking yesterday. And we were talking and we were sharing you know, different things that the Lord was speaking to us. And I was telling her about kind of the gist of my message today. And we were talking about other things. And so I'm talking and then she's like, oh, oh, but this and that. And she starts going and said, no, 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 it's my turn. Let, let me talk. It'll be brief. And then you've got the floor. And that's usually how it works. So, but words that we take for granted that we all speak, words can be powerful. And of course, at times, words have changed the course of history. But out of all of the words ever recorded, the words of Jesus have a quality that is un. Paralleled. So when these soldiers came back to the leaders and said, no one's ever spoken like this man, a truer sentence has not been spoken. Uh, even to this day, no one has spoken like Jesus. Think about this. Who else ever said to the wind and the waves, be still. And they obeyed him. Or, who said to the deaf, hear, and they heard. Or to the leper, be cleansed, and they were cleansed. Or to the blind, see, and they saw. Or to the dead, rise, and they rose. Or to the sinner, your sins are forgiven. And they were forgiven. They knew upon the utterance of those words, the reality of forgiveness. And so when we just think about it like that, we see that no one ever spoke like this man. One theologian said, This concerning the words of Jesus, I think it's worth repeating. He said they are read more, quoted more, loved more, believed more, and translated more because they are the greatest words ever spoken. Their greatness lies in the pure, lucid spirituality in dealing clearly, definitively, and authoritatively with the greatest questions and problems that throb in the human breast. No other man's words have the appeal of Jesus's words because no other man can answer these fundamental human questions as Jesus answered them. They are the kinds of words and the kind of answers we would expect God to give. And and I think that's absolutely true. When you become familiar with the words of Jesus, when you're reading through the scriptures, 
these words, you just sense that, you know, there's something beyond mere human ideas, thoughts, and words here. Now, I want us to take a quick look back over some of the words that uh, Jesus has spoken so far in John's gospel. So, of course, there are the other three gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, Jesus said many things there that are not recorded by John. And we could take this time and just explore all of the different things that Jesus said in the various gospels. But, it, but I felt like it would be good just to stick with the gospel of John and, and kind of just go back and look at some of the things. We've already read these things uh, together as we've been going through John. In some cases, we've, we've even elaborated and, and dug deep into some of these sayings. But I want to just really quickly go through a few things that Jesus said and just make a couple of quick comments on them. So in John chapter 5, verse 22, Jesus said this. He said, the father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the son, that all may honor the son just as they honor the father. Whoever does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. Now, if you take a moment and, and just let's kind of put ourselves in the, the shoes of these soldiers that are coming to arrest Jesus. Now, we know in the immediate context, we know that they at least heard him say one of the things that we're going to look at. So even if they didn't hear these exact words, other people did hear these words. And in the words that we just read, what did people hear? They heard two things. Number one, they heard Jesus say that he was the one who would judge all of the world. So he is the judge of all mankind. That's what he said. And secondly, they heard him say that he was equal with God. Because when he says that all people are to honor the son, even as they honor the father, he is essentially claiming equality with God. So these are the kinds of things that people are hearing Jesus say. He's the judge of all the earth. He is the one who's equal with God. And then in the 25th verse of that same fifth chapter, he said this. He said, very truly, I tell you, a time is coming and now and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the son of God and those who hear will live. For as the father has life in himself, so he has granted the son also to have life in himself. So two things here. Jesus says that the day is coming when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God. A little bit later, he said, all those who are in the grave will hear the voice of the Son of God. I mean, think about that. Think about somebody who says that all who are in the graves will hear his voice. And then he says, secondly, that in him is life, that he is the source of life, that the Father has granted to him that he would have life in himself. Now, life in himself, we might read over that and think, okay, that's interesting, but not really get the full impact of what Jesus is saying. Jesus, again, he's claiming to be the author of life, the source of life, that every 
living thing lives because of him. Everything is dependent upon him. You know, all of our lives are contingent. We do not have life in ourselves. We did not create ourselves. We do not originate with ourselves. We are given life. And at a certain point for all of us, the life that we were given will be taken from us. And we have no ability to stop that. We have no ability to deal with that. That is just the way it is because we don't have life in ourselves. But Jesus claims that he does. So again, when we think of things like this, we can understand a little bit about why those soldiers said what they said. Now, in verse 39 of chapter 5, we've already looked at this passage, but let me just comment on it real quickly. It's the passage that says, Jesus is speaking to the religious leaders. He says, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. So if you put yourself in a Jewish context, now for the Jewish people, the greatest possession, the greatest treasure of the Jewish nation was the scriptures, the word of God. They were, they were the very words of God that were entrusted to them. And even to this very day, if you were to ask the average, even nominal Jewish person who, who believes in God about you know, what is significant to you as a Jew, they would point to the possession of God's word. So with that understanding, think about this. Jesus says to them that these scriptures that you're searching, that you're pouring over, that you're committed to, that you are treasuring, these testify of me. They are about me. So that, that would have been a, an absolute mind-boggling statement. And in the context, we know it was highly offensive because after Jesus said this, they sought to stone him. And then there's one more. And this is the one that we saw in our previous teaching last week. And these are those words that Jesus uttered when he stood up on that last day, the great day of the feast. And he cried out, if anyone thirst." Let them come to me and drink. As the scripture has said, out of their innermost being, for the one who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of their innermost being will flow torrents of living water. So what is Jesus doing here? He is appealing to all of humanity to come to him to have their thirst quench, not their literal physical thirst. He's speaking metaphorically here. But basically what Jesus is saying is that he is the one who will satiate the human soul. So if we think about that, if we think about these different things, he makes these incredible claims. Beginning with that first thing that that we considered there. He claims this equality with God. He claims to be the one who will judge the living and the dead. He claims to be the one whose voice the dead will hear from their graves. He claims to be the one who is the source of life. He claims to be the one 
that the scriptures are primarily about, and he claims to be the one that can quench the thirst of all humanity. So these are the kinds of things that Jesus said. And when you give some thought to the things that Jesus said, you can understand the sentiment of the guards. I mean, to disobey your, those who you were, you were under their authority, these religious leaders, they were, they were not just the religious leaders of the nation, they were also the, the civil leaders of the nation because the religion and the you know, church and state, wasn't church and state, but that sort of a thing, religion was connected back to the state. So in other words, these guys weren't simply like pastors of the church that, you know, if you disobey them, no big deal. These guys were the magistrates of the land. So when they were sent out on a task to arrest this person and they come back without him, they are jeopardizing their own well-being. But what else could they do? And their response was, when we kind of begin to understand a little bit about the things that Jesus said, we get their response. No one's ever spoken like this man. And it wasn't like they came to arrest Jesus and he said, you can't arrest me. Or there was a crowd that stood up against them. It wasn't anything like that. It was just simply as they were waiting for the opportunity and hearing what Jesus was saying, they all together concluded This is not a normal person in the sense that this is not a mere human being. And then, of course, we'll talk a little bit more about this in a second. But, of course, it wasn't that Jesus just said things. Jesus had done things as well that supported the things that he said. So... These are some of the things, of course, Jesus would say many more exclusive and provocative things and make many more unique and extraordinary claims. But here's the thing that strikes me most about the teaching of Jesus as being extraordinary and as even being unique. And it is this, that the unique feature of Jesus's teaching is that he was the essence of his own message. He was the essence of his own message. Jesus didn't point people to a teaching or a God as other religious figures have done and will do. And I think this is an important thing to to remember and maybe for some to realize. Because we even hear still today, we hear oftentimes Jesus being compared to other religious figures. We hear people put Jesus in the category with the great spiritual leaders throughout the history of humanity. We might hear him compared to Buddha. We might hear him compared to Muhammad. Of course, if you were in school, particularly in college, and you took a, a comparative religion course, that's exactly what they're going to do. They're going to put the who's who of religion up there on the board, and Jesus's face will be right there in the middle of that group. But when you consider Buddha, for example, 
Buddha did not invite people to come to me. He imparted a philosophy that he encouraged people to live by. And, and even with Muhammad, Muhammad, although he's greatly revered among Muslims, he, of course, pointed people to Allah. And he called them to, to worship and to obey Allah. And even in legitimate prophets like Moses and the, the biblical prophets, even with them, they did not call people to themselves. Moses was not the central figure of his message. The God of Israel was, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And that, and then that of course, was the central message of the prophets as well. But in contrast to all of that, Jesus pointed to himself and called people to come to him and to put their trust in him. Jesus saw himself as the answer to mankind's deepest need. And we see this very clearly in what we call, for convenience sake, the I am's of Christ. Now, we've already considered one of the I am's of Christ. These are places, and these are exclusive to John's gospel. So, so John does this. Part of the purpose of John, you remember, or the, the primary purpose of John in writing this, is that you might believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing, you might have life in his name. So that's John's objective. He wants us to believe that Jesus is the Savior of the world. And so what John does that no other gospel writer does is he he shares with us these statements that Jesus made where he used this formula, I am. And when Jesus used the formula, I am, he is identifying himself as the God of Israel. Because if you remember, or if you don't know, and you happen to go back and read your Bible in Exodus chapter 3, when Moses encounters God at that burning bush, Moses asks this question. God, he encounters God. The Lord says, take off your sandals from your feet. You're standing on holy ground. And the Lord is going to commission Moses to go to Egypt and set the people free. And Moses asks this question. He says, who should I say sent me? And the answer that the Lord gave was this. Say, I am that I am has sent you. So God identifies himself by this name, I am, which is, it sounds kind of strange, but, what, but the gist of it is that, again, it's that, that sort of life in himself idea, the God who was and is and who is to come. The gist of it is the eternal one. And now, let's join Pastor Brian in the studio as he shares about this month's resource on Back to Basics. There's so many questions today about science and faith. And uh, are they compatible? Can you 
be even a scientific person and a believer at the same time? Well, Professor John Lennox from Oxford University says, yes, you can. And in his fantastic book, Can Science Explain Everything?, he basically shows us from a scientific standpoint and as a scientist that science cannot explain everything. But, of course, the Gospels and the Word of God do. So I love this book. It's an easy read. It's very helpful. It's a great book to read yourself and to even pass on maybe to a skeptical friend. So I want to encourage you to pick up Can Science Explain Everything by Dr. John Lennox. Again, this month's resource is a book titled, Can Science Explain Everything? by Dr. John Lennox. You can order the book, Can Science Explain Everything? by going to our website, backtobasicsradio.com. Scroll down until you see the photo of it, and then click on the donate button. When you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you the book, Can Science Explain Everything? by Dr. John Lennox. It's our way of saying thank you for your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the Gospel of John. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.